Welcome to the discussion, Seeing Threats and Stopping Breaches, sponsored by Vectra. Here's today's moderator, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Brian Davis, the Director of Federal Security Solutions at Vectra. Brian, welcome to the discussion. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Before we get started, let me set a little context for our conversation today. We know the threats agencies face some cyber attacks are constantly evolving. The latest Federal Information Security Management Act, or FISMA, report to Congress shows agencies face more brute force or disruptive attacks in 2019 than in previous years. These include ransomware or other approaches to destroy or degrade networks. Attackers also are forcing their way onto a network with the hopes of island hopping to the more valuable networks or systems or data. Now, as these threats are getting harder to defend, researchers say 52% of all attacks are caused by external actors, including 33% through a social media platform and 28% involve malware. Meanwhile, agencies and organizations often have to worry about insider threats. Researchers found 34% of all those breaches came from someone who actually worked at the company or organization. Now, the good news here is that intrusion to containment the time between those two is shrinking from 67 days in 2018 to 49 days in 2019. That's according to cyber researchers. Still, 49 days is a long time. It's more than a month, almost two months. During that time, DHS, the Homeland Security Department, says agencies or companies can suffer a range of consequences, ranging from productivity loss to response and replacement costs, to competitive advantage loss, to fines and judgments, and to reputational damage. So how can agencies reduce the time hackers have on their networks and limit their ability to move around? Well, that's where my guest comes in. Once again, I'm joined by Brian Davis, the Director of Federal Security Solutions at Vectra. Now, Brian, we, we know that agencies are under attack. We know that cybersecurity is always getting more difficult. The threats are evolving. But what we're starting to really understand is once a attacker's on the network, they're harder to spot because they could lay low, they could hide, they could kind of pop up only at certain times. Why is this so difficult to really distinguish and process cyber attacks? Yes, great question. Um, I think that the big thing is just the amount of users and data traversing our networks and the volume of alerts and events that our security teams in the security operations center centers have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis and distinguishing between the authorized behavior and the malicious behavior just becomes that more complicated, that much more of, of a large problem to solve and to see through. And really when it comes to that visibility, you know, network platforms like network detection and response can help bridge the gap between the traditional security tools that are in place around perimeter endpoint within the SIM across Active Directory log collection and aggregation, and really shine a light on the network, the broader network, and what's happening, not just anomalous or based on security you know, flags, but what behavior is happening, what's typical of that environment, and what common behavior is associated with the majority of, of the attacker or attacks out there that we can link together individually and over time to surface a real high fidelity alert that you can be confident is something that needs to be responded to in a priority fashion by an analyst within a team. Interesting you bring up this idea of network detection and response and can fill the gap. What are the gaps that you guys see when you talk to agencies, when you talk to private sector organizations? So I, I think some of the things that we see are, you know, not gaps specifically in data, there is lots of data out there. And I think a lot of these teams are just drowning in it. And again, it's, it's putting on a lens or, or, or putting up a lens that sees through that, that identifies the right data and puts it in the right context and uses you know, next generation approaches like artificial intelligence, machine learning, to really go after identifying indicators that aren't signatures 
on an attack or a known attack because that's living in, in the past, living in history. And we really need to focus on identifying the, the behavior that's associated with malicious or the next generation tomorrow's attacks that we've never seen before. And there's never gonna be a signature for that. But again, back to the behavior, there's always a commonality when an attacker is in the network, what they need to do to establish persistence, to move around and search and find the, the prize, the targets that they're looking to exploit or the operations they're looking to disrupt. And that behavior, really monitoring the network and, and, and having the tools like AI and, and behavior models to identify that behavior quickly and surface it in a high priority or a high fidelity alert to the analyst is really the approach that is not there today, but is being adopted rapidly. I think one of the things that security folks like yourself has seen over the years is we as, as the employees, right, work in a pattern. I get up every morning and I'm on my computer at a certain time, maybe it's 7.30, maybe it's eight o'clock, but I really don't move around, switch too much. And during my day, I'm hitting certain sites of whether it's uh, this site for this information or that site to watch a video. Um, and it's the anomalous behaviors, as you point out, that really can raise the flag. And, and I think that's really the key here. Hey, this doesn't look normal, right? Jason always logs in from Arlington, Virginia, but now he's logging in from Utah. We should flag that, right? Is, is that, that's the type of thing where, where that you, there's no signature for, you don't know it's happening until maybe it's too late. So I think it, it goes deeper than that, right? So anomalous behavior, I think that was an approach that was really focused on, right? Can we fingerprint our organization and our people what they do and what time of day do they do it? And then whenever something stands out, let's flag it and let's follow up uh, and investigate it. It turns out that there's a lot of variation across people, their schedules, what they do when they do it. There's time of day, time of week, time of month, time of year when things change across the board for whatever particular reason. And so the anomalous approach really turns out to create a ton of noise that you can never scale and follow up on. And it's exactly that noise that the adversary gets into the network and then hides amongst, right? So they're operating and moving in that noise. And that approach alone just has not proven to be enough to be effective. And so looking through that noise, not just anomalies, but saying, okay, what is the behavior that is typical of an adversary once they get inside a network? Well, they have to move laterally, right? They have to look for other endpoints. They're looking for escalate are looking to escalate privileges and to move throughout the network. And it's really in those, those motions that we can capture and detect on their own might not justify anything worth following up on, but in combination with, you know, two individual or two separate user accounts or computers connecting to the same command and control server externally and then communicating with each other. Now that is something that you want to follow up on immediately. And that's exactly what, Vectra is delivering and what these next gen you know, platforms are, are delivering is we're looking and tracking metadata off across the network at scale and we're connecting the dots and doing the heavy lifting so that the analyst can look at high priority events and just be more productive at shutting things down as quickly as possible. I think that's key. It's, it's shutting it down as quickly as possible. And, and that really comes back around to this idea of visibility in your networks. A lot of agencies believe they probably have pretty good visibility. We know uh, there's different programs out there that have been implemented over the last you know, decade or so. But, but how do they gain more visibility? And okay, we know what the benefits are, but what, what's the next level down benefits we're talking about here? Yeah, so I think looking broader at, at the quote unquote virtual network, 
is really the on-prem network, the multiple network locations, the data centers. We're looking at SaaS. We're looking at cloud compute and storage. You know, all of these areas are entry points for an adversary. And so they're looking to take advantage of all of those disconnected locations and to get into the network as users are remote, even more so now in these times, right? So more VPN connectivity, rapid expansion of Office 365, right? So thoughtful about security and the risks, risks that come with it, but the downside of not moving and not aggressively adopting more cloud and more SaaS uh, is a detriment to the federal government in these times. So they've had to just overcome, accept a little bit more risk and adopt these things in order to deliver across the, deliver on the agency's mission rather and, and to be productive. And so the adversary is using all of these. They're targeting users, remote, how they're connecting, and they're using that extra noise and complexity to leverage and compromise an endpoint, a credential, and then move right into the organization. And so it's ensuring that it's not just network, it's network in all of these other areas that you have visibility to and that you correlate all of the activity together. Because again, at the end of the day, you have you know, one endpoint, it's taking on many IPs, right? Which is usually a, a typical way of tracking behavior across any network. Well, you need to be able to normalize that data. So if a host has 10 IPs, you need to be able to you know, identify that one host as one host, regardless of the IP association, and then tie it to the users that are leveraging that hosts, and then look at the activity that is happening. In order to really, I mean, that, that is just one piece of, that's what visibility is. It's not monitoring and collecting more packet capture and things like that. It's really correlating, normalizing data, deduping, and getting a true clear picture of who's on the network, what they're doing, and then what activity is more associated with attacker behavior, and then prioritize based on that. And that's where your team, your security team needs to spend their time. Now, later in the program, we're going to talk about cloud and the challenges with uh, moving to a software as a service or, or, as you mentioned, Office 365. But before I go down there, let me just talk a little bit more about this idea of, of the visibility, the idea of understanding what, what, you know, correlating, deduping. I love that phrase, of course, what's going on. Is that something that agencies are still trying to get their armor around, their heads around? What are you seeing within the government? Are, are they just starting to understand that concept or that, is that an older concept that they just haven't done yet? I think the, like the network, network detection response space is gaining ground and attention. And I think the timing is now where most organizations are looking at it, at looking at addressing that gap that they currently have um, with mostly east-west traffic, right? So NDR, one of the strengths is looking at the entirety of the network, not just perimeter inbound, outbound, but both uh, to build that clearer picture out. So I think the timing for that focus on NDR is now. But when it comes to deduping, there are different approaches and different results that many vendors deliver day to day, right? So you can collect, like I mentioned, all the data in the world, but it could be a, a huge negative uh, feature of any product. So you need to only focus on the right, the right traffic, the right data, and then augmenting with the right approach to sort through it, right? Because you don't want people to have to sort through the mundane tasks of tracking multiple IP addresses and trying to identify the one host or the several hosts that are a part of a campaign. You know, machines, AI and ML are really good at that. So you wanna make sure that you have the technology to normalize and drive efficiency so that your people can spend their time bringing their judgment to bear 
knowing their network, knowing their environment, they're being handed a much cleaner understanding of what's happening and then how they need to respond in that timely fashion that we talked about before. As you mentioned earlier, the amount of data that's coming in, it's not a matter of we need more data. You need to yeah. understand your data better. You need to, to be able to parse through that data. And I think too often, a lot of the tools that agencies turn to, they're just, they just provide too much data. I think that's a, it's a point that we, we hear time and again from, from agencies. It's really, yeah, it's really a new approach, right? So, you know, one of the things that we have done very successfully is to leverage data science and security research and to collaborate and have those teams together build, you know, self-learning behavior models that are deployed to sort through and analyze the metadata we collect to do just what we talked about, right? So it's, it's not something that's trivial. It takes a long time. It takes a long time to perfect, but when you get it right, I mean, that's when the magic happens, right? So when you can, if somebody with poor vision, the first time they put on those glasses and they see a crystal clear, you know, picture of the people in front of them, oftentimes that's the same reaction, the same result we get when you apply these different techniques in this way. It really is a game changer. All right, we will talk more about why it's a game changer and how the cloud is adding more complexity to it after our break. You're listening to the discussion, Seeing Threats, Stopping Breaches, sponsored by Vectra on Federal News Network. See threats, stop breaches. Ransomware, bad actors, insider threats, you know they're there. Now do something about it. You need fast, reliable, and adaptable attack detection. Protect your agency across the entire network attack surface. Vectra Threat Detection and Response hunts for attacker behavior and shuts them down. See threats and stop breaches at speed and scale with the power of AI. Government organizations count on Vectra. You can too. See threats, stop breaches. Vectra.ai slash federal. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion, Seeing Threats, Stopping Breaches, sponsored by Vectra on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Brian Davis, the Director of Federal Security Solutions at Vectra. Brian, before break, we're talking about this idea of network visibility and understanding more than just, hey, I have a lot of data. Hey, what's this data mean? We're really taking it to the next level. You mentioned this idea of metadata. A lot of what agencies now are doing is as they move to the cloud, their data increases, but their metadata hopefully is going to get better too, because there's a lot of security tools that come from these cloud services. Walk me through a little bit about as agencies move more off-prem, as their network changes, the complexity of their network it kind of changes, how does this all fit together to, to really ensure that you are protecting yourself against threats? Yeah, so I think I think one of the challenge is one of the challenges is managing transformation, right? So on the adoption side, these capabilities and platforms are leveraged every day, right? More Office 365, it makes it easier, makes business operations more efficient. You know, moving to cloud, you know, shrinks that on-prem footprint and does all these great things. But during this transition and adoption, oftentimes the same tools that were being used before are trying to be forced or adapted into these new environments. Or separate products are leveraged to secure this environment and not that environment, for example, cloud versus on-prem. And very quickly, you have these disjointed at best solutions that now it's the responsibility of the analyst or the person in the SOC to log in and out of, to pull separate data or to combine that data in a SIM. And now it's their job, their responsibility, their heavy lift to sort through all of that, make heads or tails of it. The data is oftentimes not normalized where somebody might be an expert in network traffic on-prem, but then the way that cloud operates and SaaS operates, it's much different. And so now you have a skill set gap 
spanning multiple different environments across multiple different tools. And so that problem is, is even further compounded. And so I think it's important, and I think a lot, a lot of the folks that we're working with in the federal government are taking this approach now where they're taking a step back and looking at where they need to go, the flexibility that they need to respond to things like COVID, increasing mobile work, the mobile workforce and supporting and sustaining that over potentially long or longer periods of time. And then looking at the security architecture and choosing capabilities and platforms that have extensibility, broad coverage across all of these that can pull that data in, normalize it, and now your analyst has one view of the entire environment, the entire surface area of the organization, and can now track users as they operate throughout the day, whether that is someone that's in the network on location, whether it's somebody traveling, VPNing in, connecting via Office 365, you can now, with a vector type capability, supported by and driven by that AI and ML to do all the heavy lifting, right? Sorting through all that metadata, making all the connection points and painting that clear picture. You have an analyst with a single platform view of everything that's happening. And it makes it that much easier for, <clears throat> excuse me, our technologies to surface and identify a detection to something that is highly probable to be malicious or an attacker or a misuse of a credential by an insider, right? Someone that works for the organization. And overall, it just reduces the risk profile immensely across the organization and further supports future transformation adoption in these areas. So I think it's, it's definitely an enabler. You know, when you get it right, when you make your team efficient, you reduce risk, you have better visibility and security confidence that there's no in-progress attack on the network at that moment, as well as the confidence to know that if anything happens, if any attacker does try to move laterally or do something within the organization, that you're going to be able to see it and shut it down in very quick time. All right, Brian, I was waiting for you to say it. Uh, the single pane of glass, what we hear many times in the cybersecurity world, but you said single platform, so congratulations not to fall into that trap. But I think uh, just to be serious, though, uh, that's what we're really talking about here is there's so many tools out there, so many different where the data is coming from and agencies are, are maybe overwhelmed by not just data, but by the tools and you can't hire enough people. And I think what you're talking about here is really looking for that needle in the pile of needles and then understanding what that really needle is. Is it a sewing needle or is it a hypodermic or what? Yes, exactly. And so I, I think it really goes back to that overall plan, right? Assessing the tools that you have because finding that needle in a stack of needles becomes really complicated when you don't have normalized data to work from, right? If you're working in different data types and it's on the, on the, on the, uh, on the job responsibility of the human to pull it together, there are some smart, amazing brain power folks in organizations today that if they, they're given enough time and enough resources and support, they can figure this out and they do figure it out you know, all the time, but it's, can it scale? And when the environment changes, how quickly does it take for them to understand and adapt what they're doing to the new situation, the new scenario? And the fact is that it doesn't matter how smart you are, it doesn't scale. You need to be able to identify the, like the attacker behavior like we do, figure it out and get the machines and the AI and the ML to do those mundane tasks, the stuff that can be repeated over and over and over again, and then take that brain power and redeploy it to looking at the bigger picture, right? Looking at their environment and bringing their judgment to bear and the decisions that need to be made, whether to authorize something that is legitimate or shut something down in, in quick time and prevent a breach from happening. So it's, 
it's, it's the right capability, it's the right interpretation of the right data, and then what data or alerts are provided to the analyst, right? Because the analysts are very often overwhelmed and you know we haven't touched on this point yet and it's not always touched upon, but brain drain is a big problem, right? So if I came to work every day and felt like I didn't make any difference, I wouldn't be fulfilled. I wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't feel like my existence in that role, in that job mattered. And that's a big problem. Many are faced with that today. And so that's something that certainly needs to be addressed and is addressed when you equip that person, that team with something that they can leverage to make a difference, to feel like what they do matters. You know, it makes an amazing difference and you could retain those people for longer, longer periods of time and then use that to do better for the agency mission and for the government mission as a whole. I think you're right that that is very much underestimated, the importance of making sure people are happy when they come to work. If you're looking through mounds of data every day, eventually you're going to say, why am I doing this? I, I'm a security person. I can go get a new job somewhere else. You brought this idea of, of using AI, ML tools several times. Let's talk more about that aspect of, of this because that's key. Get, get one, use the technology to uh, deal with the mundane tasks, but it's also the next level is really identifying patterns more quickly that maybe you or I could do it if we're trained right, but really that you can train the technology much more quickly to identify those patterns and then use your brain power, my brain power to say, yay or nay, this is the problem or not. Exactly, right? So, I mean, I think we're at the forefront of this happening more and more often where we are bringing this type of capability to bear. You know, I think we're, we're definitely at Vector leaders in this market space. We've been doing it for more than eight years. We've been taking this unique approach, understanding that this has to be done and it has to be done well in order to scale with the volume and complexity of the threats that are, that are inbound day to day, right? So in, like you mentioned, and I mentioned before, on a small scale, yeah, most people can work it out with minimal tools, but as the networks get more complex, bigger, uh, more users, more dichotomy between remote users, on-prem, you know, IOT, industrial systems or weapon systems that, you know, are presenting different type of behaviors on the network, it becomes too big to scale. And so I think we, we really found our niche early where we understood and have proven with many government customers that we could apply this new approach with that AI ML to support the user. And that's what it's all about. It's not about AI to replace the human, it's human intelligence and artificial intelligence working together so that you can scale to what alerts and what needs to be addressed today and to prepare for a spike or a huge spike when something were to happen tomorrow. We never know exactly what our adversaries and nation states have, a, have in store for us, uh, but I don't think we're ever surprised and we never wanna be caught without the tools to identify and respond as quickly as possible. It's interesting you bring up this idea of never be caught without the tools to respond. I listened to a recent hearing that the House had around NASA cybersecurity. And one of the things that, that, that came up during the hearing was the, the amount of attacks that NASA has seen during the pandemic. As people working from home, the threat service in, in increases. And I don't think this is a NASA thing. I think it's probably every organization, every agency. Is that the other piece when you say you got to prepare for, what, for that spike tomorrow? That's a perfect example of all of a sudden, if your amount of you know, phishing attacks jumps by 40 or 50%, your folks could be missing in the security operations center that those those signs because there's just too much data but if you have some of these tools the tools can parse through that data much more quickly that's that's really the benefit here and then also 
reduce false positives. Oh, we have a problem. And then, oh, it's not a big deal. I mean, that's the other piece of this. Yes. And so I, I think that the real exciting thing is, I mean, we're talking about network security and protection. You know, we're talking about detections and identifying attacker behavior, but there's, there's also another piece to this. And to build off of what you just said, there is providing that visibility, having those alerts and detections, but also harvesting and collecting the right data to have the right size and amount of a data repository so that our nation's threat hunters, right? So when we have a lot of incident response going on for what's inbound, what's active, based on priority, what has to be responded to and investigated right now? And then, you know, our platform does a really great job at saying, okay, here's what we definitely know is malicious that you need to focus on today. But here are a couple areas that we've analyzed and it's really a sight line to where if somebody were sitting down wanting to do a proactive hunt session within their network, we would give them visibility and direction. We would shine a light on what to hunt for and where to hunt for it with no guarantees, but with high probability that if they spend an hour in our tool, it's going to be more benefit than just going out there and starting to just chase things down at more random fashion. Ryan, we're just about out of time. This has been a really helpful conversation. I'm just going to ask you for a quick, maybe 30 seconds. What's the one thing agencies should keep in mind as they modernize their security operations center? We know that there's plans that were due to OMB in uh, September. So, but uh, uh, give me a sense what, as they move forward with these plans, what's the one, maybe one thing they should keep in mind? I, I think there's, I mean, there's probably a few things that they're already thinking about, right? Um, one is, you know, the objective assessment of what you have in place. You know, we talked about it, we mentioned it before, but we didn't go too much into detail about the platforms and the products and the solutions that are in most federal agencies today. And they're being leaned on to solve for problems they were never created to solve for, right? So I think assessing and reassigning those capabilities to where they add the most value, right? So if you have a signature requirement, the perimeter makes the most sense not deploying it through all the different segments internal in the network because that usually doesn't provide the right alerts and could be absolutely noisy and there's a lot of overhead in tuning that. But there is a place if you have a requirement. So it's, it's consigning the solutions to the areas that they provide the most value and then augmenting and overlaying with capabilities like network detection and response that are fueled and driven by the tools that will take the undue burden off of your teams and give them the rich information actionable information so that they can do their jobs, do their jobs well, not only at the levels of today, but in preparation and support of the levels for tomorrow. And then, you know, we're honestly privileged to work with a lot of great people within the federal government. And I'll tell you, everyone is dedicated, they're motivated, they want to support their agency in pursuit and success of their mission, as well as the defense of the nation. And Honestly, one thing is abundantly clear every time we engage is that if you give these people, if you give these teams and these great people the right tools like AI, ML-driven network detection and response, advanced adversaries are definitely caught on the network. And for me, there's no better job satisfaction than that right there. All right, very good. Uh, Brian, there's so much more to talk about. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. So let me thank my guest. Brian Davis is the Director of Federal Security Solutions at Vectra. Brian, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion, Seeing Threats, Stopping Breaches, sponsored by Vectra on Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Vectra. 
Thank you for listening to the discussion, Seeing Threats and Stopping Breaches, sponsored by Vectra on Federal News Network.